Blog Talk Radio. Welcome once again to Madame Perry's Salon, the podcast that loves you. I am your host, cruise director, and spiritual advisor, Madame Perry, but you can call me Jan or Jennifer or JP. That's all fine with me, and I am so happy to be back here again, and just, I've got to say, I've got to say it again, I hope you don't mind me repeating myself but thank you all so much, everybody that's been listening, subscribing, downloaded. Um, I had uh, Stitcher is one of the platforms that that you can uh, catch Madam Perry Salon on, and I think I had two new reviews on there, so you can always go to Stitcher or wherever and uh, leave a review. You know, tell people what you think if you like it. I hope you do because um, well, you've certainly been making my numbers look good and telling people, and that is why I'm able to have so many great guests on. You know, recently, um, God, it's just been so much fun. It just continues to get better and better. Recently, we had um, Mike Campese, and he's a guitarist. Uh, he's played a lot, but he's best known for playing with the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, and uh, he has a picture. He's in Italy right now performing. Uh, that's fun. Um also, we had Robert Trevor, and you probably know Robert from, uh, he's done lots of film and TV. He's had a long career, but a lot of people tend to know him from uh, his character Salmoneus on Xena Warrior Princess and on um, Hercules, the legend. So he was that, and he was on here with his new book, The Haircut That Would Be King. So go check that out. Also, uh, coming up soon, we're going to have um, Alex Bates, and Alex Bates is an, he's a serial entrepreneur in the subject of artificial intelligence and augmented mind, augmented reality, and that's going to be pretty wild, uh, so... <laughs> and uh, oh oh and one more person coming up I didn't mention that is uh her name is um Nicole Sage and if you listen to you know a lot of music I first saw her I think a couple of years ago she was playing bass in a band called The Regrets and The Regrets are a pretty big deal they're out of California I believe and they um They've been on all the major TV shows too, like you know Jimmy Fallon and so forth, uh, and Jimmy Kimmel. So uh, she's not with the Regrets anymore. She does studio work. She's also an artist and a model. So we're going to have Nicole here very soon. But tonight, as I've told people, you asked for it, you got it. Um, sometimes when you really like a guest so much, people ask me, you know, can you please get him back? Can you please get him back? What's going on? What's new? And sometimes. We can, like tonight. I am so thrilled because this guest was here, I think it was last year, and people were crazy about her. They love listening to her, and people have commented on her and sent me questions a lot. Uh, she is. Now, I'm going to try to get 
all of this into a little bite because this woman has not <laughs> this woman has not wasted a second of her life. Okay, she's. Uh, from Chicago, and we know a lot of fun. We know a lot of good people from Chicago. I've had some fun there too. Um, she has a doctorate in pharmacy, has worked as a pharmacist all her life. So, so she has a medical career. Also, she was also interested in theater, and she had some work, or actually, um, had a part in the TV show The Wire. Really good acting. Uh, she's also a motivational speaker. Uh, you can hire her for your events. So before I keep on going on and on and on, I'm going to say, let's go ahead and say welcome back to Madame Perry Salon to the fabulous and the brilliant Dr. Drayvon James. Welcome back. Jen, you are amazing. Thank you so much for that awesome introduction. I'm so happy to be back. I mean, you're an actress, you're a pharmacist, you're a doctor, and I mean a legit actress, um, and a speaker, an author, and uh, just so thrilled. Your book is called Freedom is Your Birthright, and you're the founder of Everyday Peace. What, okay, first of all, I don't know how you have time for all that, but tell us about Everyday Peace and about Freedom is Your Birthright, and then we're going to get to some new stuff that you're doing. Yeah, so Everyday Peace has been a passion of mine, oh my gosh, before it even had a title. Way back when I was 17 years old, my brother gave me a book, The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale, and I fell in love with just what he did for me in that book, it made me feel alive, and and he he ignited something in me that was already lit a little bit. I knew I wanted to help people. And I thought, well, going into the medical profession, this is a great way to help people. In fact, I was a pharmacy pre-med student going, getting ready to go into my first year. And when I read that book, I realized that the way I wanted to help people was something that was going to be even greater than their physical health. That was going to be their inner health, their, their life, their perspective, the way they approached the, the world with themselves. I didn't know the term motivational speaking back there or inspirational speaker. I had no idea of those terms, but that book did that for me. And so I went on and I went to pharmacy school and I got my doctorate degree in pharmacy and I've had some great jobs over the years. And I got really, really lucky early on and became a consultant. And it gave me the opportunity to merge my worlds because I became brave. I had been studying what I now call peace from the age of 17. I'd been documenting everything I was studying and I was drawing uh, concepts out that they were very, very similar from one one uh, methodology to another. They were really similar concepts. And I just got this whole idea about peace, peace and how everybody needed it. Everybody needed to help hold on to this. And so at the end of my pharmacy lectures, I finally got the courage to start doing a five-minute peace talk. And that's how I incorporated my everyday peace in my pharmacy world. Until 2015, somebody finally said to me, you know, Drayvon, we'd love for you to be our keynote speaker. And I did that a lot for pharmacy events. But they said, this time we just want you to come and just talk about that peace thing that you do at the end of your talks. And it really spoke to me because I I said to myself, wow, it's really helping people like I always wanted it to, like I always knew that it would. So it gave me the courage to really get out there and really – promote everyday peace because who doesn't want peace every day (laughs) and so I define peace not my definition but it's what I use in the company is that peace is wholeness completeness nothing missing nothing broken totality every time I say that I feel like this 
warm feeling across my back because I want that for myself every day and I want that for everybody else. Could you imagine a world like that? Oh. Wow. Well, these days it's kind of hard. Yeah, but Yeah, yeah it is. Because there's a lot of we're all running around believing that we can't have it, believing that there's a shortage of things, right? Right. Yeah. Yes. And there's a lot of people just angry at everybody right now, you know, whether they're stressed because of money or lack of insurance or personal situations. Um, and there's just a lot going on with people. And uh, that's why sometimes I'll tell my husband when he sees somebody driving crazy, I'll say, look, don't don't yell at them because you don't know what they're going through. You know, they might have just got a pink slip today or a bad doctor. Yeah. You don't know what. So just right, yeah. You're so you're so wise to say that too, because we really never know what anyone else is going through. In fact, we, you know, I tell myself frequently that I would love to go everywhere in the world and everyone give Drayvon the benefit of the doubt, right? Everyone just say if I if I make a mistake, say, oh, Drayvon's trying so hard. You know, she doesn't feel well. Say, oh, Drayvon's trying so hard. You know, she had a hard you know night last night, or she worked a double, and. You would love for people to look at your life and, and make these excuses for you. So I automatically do that for people when they are short with me or um, hurt my feelings in some way and, you know, run you off the road or something. I automatically give them a backstory that leads to forgiveness. Really? That's that's good. Yeah. You know, that really yeah. is because you don't know. <laughs> Because you, you can think yeah. of times, I don't know about you, but I know times when I've done something or maybe I've cut around and think, oh, I w- oh, what did I do? That person's going to just think I'm just rude and it wasn't that in my mind and I need to concentrate. If I could just, you wish you could just send a message to them, look, I am so sorry. I did not mean to do that. And, and um, But you go ahead and, yeah. and give them the back, which is probably very yeah. accurate. And just like you did with your husband, you, say, you know, don't, 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 you don't, you don't know, don't honk at them or anything because you don't know what they're going through. And that little bit of grace right there, that little tiny bit of grace, makes such a big difference. And the pole, you know, the opposite of that is us just thinking, oh, you know, they're just an idiot, or you know, look how rude they are. And that backstory, that's also a backstory. We're giving them a backstory when we do that too. But that backstory, if you really pay attention to how the energy moves in our body when we when we say things like that, we'll realize that that doesn't bring us peace. When we give them a backstory that says, oh, they're being rude or they're targeting me, it really locks us up inside and it it's like a force field goes up around us, keeping our good separate from us. And nobody wants that. Mm-mm. Yeah, <laughs> so true. And um, and then again, too, I think it's also um, easy for people to say, to look at somebody and say, oh, well, you know, you you do this. You can't have any problem. Like when a, like when a well-known or when a famous person um you might read somebody like Anthony Bourdain or Kate Spade. You go, why would they commit suicide? Why would they be depressed? They've got everything. It's so easy to say. Or, you know, you've got a podcast. Or I could say, you know, uh, Dr. James, what do you what do you know about us? You know, you've got you're, you're a doctor. You've uh, been on you know had a recurring role on HBO's The Wire. Um, you're a motivational yeah. speaker. What do you know about what I'm going through? But that doesn't mean that you haven't had your challenges. Wow. 
Right, right. I remember you're you're so on to something right now. I remember years ago when I I probably was in pharmacy school when I heard this, but it was an NBA basketball player speaking in an interview, and he said, no one cares when a person making a million dollars has a bad day. And I thought to myself when when I heard him say that, I said, well, there's still a person, right? Yeah. Because... I consider my life and everyone that I meet, I have this concept called the big three, that every goal and desire that we have, we can put in one of three categories, health, wealth, or relationship. And so an imbalance in any of these categories will cause a discomfort in your life. So if you make a million dollars, but your health is poor or your relationships are poor, you're not going to feel whole, complete, right? like there's nothing missing, nothing broken. That but million dollars is not going to, you know, be enough for you to say, oh, well, I'm okay. I got a million dollars. I don't want my health. I got a million dollars. I don't want great relationships. No, of course you do. And you're worthy of those things. And the same thing goes for having great relationships and then having lacking your finances or lacking your health. We see, all of our lives go through these trials and tribulations. At any point in time, somebody's big three, one of them could be off or all three of them, God forbid, could be off. And we are so quick sometimes to look at the outer trappings and say, oh, you have this or your name is that. Or like like you said, you know, you're on this show. And we think that they have no problems. Not true. In fact, we can look at a lot of our movie stars and see, you know, some of them commit suicide and things of that nature. So we know that money and fame is not the answer. It's also not the problem. You know, there are many other things, you know, just, you can't say just because you have money and fame, you're going to have um, – discontent in your life. No, your other two categories are just as important, your health and your relationships. And we have to look there, mental health, emotional health, physical health. We have to look through all of that. And we've got to get peace, wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality in each one of those categories in order to have a balanced life, have a balanced life. And it's so important. It doesn't mean that we can't have happiness if something's going wrong because Quite honestly, none of us is all, we're not going to, the stars and the moon don't line up perfectly for any of us. You know, we're going to have our trials and tribulations, and that's how we grow. That's really how we grow. And that connects us to those trials and tribulations connect us. It's the humanness in me that can connect to the humanness in you. I may have never had your particular problem, but when you come to me and say, oh, my heart is broken over this. Well, my heart's been broken before. It may have been over something different, but I can unite. That draws us together. Empathize, you know, empathy and compassion. So, yeah, so it doesn't really, you know, matter where, you know, you can read about famous people, rich people, whatever, but, you know, stress is everywhere, whether it's um, in any situation. Now, what I understand, too, and and reading some of your work and reading some about that um, what you want to teach us is that even though, you know, we're stressed, we resist stress, people, you know, people, um, take different types of substances to relieve stress, but there are things we can't change. And I understand, you know, that you, one of the things people say that you do or have given them is the fact or an understanding that the more stress shows up in life, and it's going to, uh, yeah. the more opportunities we have for self-love and for turning it into peace. So how does that work? Oh, my goodness. So I teach a workshop called Rethinking Stress, the Untapped Resource. Now, who would think of stress as a resource? 
not only is it a resource, but an abundant resource, right? You know, we we may have a lack in in any other category, but we will never have a lack of stress. No one ever shows up and says, hey, you know, we're running low on stress today. <laughs> right? So, and so knowing that, one day, some years ago, I was just thinking about my own life and all of the stress that I had, and it occurred to me that if stress were money, goodness gracious, I'd be a billionaire, right? And I said, well, why Why isn't stress a resource? Why is it looked at as such a horrible thing? And we, we all know that there's positive stress, like if you're getting married or expecting a baby or going to move you know, to a brand new home, that causes stress too, and that's positive stress. But then most likely we're usually talking about the negative stressors, the things like job layoffs and lack of um, health and, you know, divorces and things of that nature. So all of this is going on. There's an abundance of that. And what I teach people is that, okay, we have to look at stress as energy. Everything is energy. And we can, you know, there's a, the law of the, I think it's the first law of thermodynamics is that energy is neither created nor destroyed. It simply changes forms. So we can take all that energy that exists in stress, and we can transmute that energy into life-affirming, creative energy. And we do that. It's, it's simpler than what we think. First, when we get into this space, and I'll, I'll go through it quickly, when we get into this space, we have to have awareness. And that is key. So often, we do not have self-awareness because self-awareness takes time, it takes energy, and it takes quiet stillness with self, not the TV, not with other people, not with a magazine, not with a book, just with yourself, an observation of self. And so often that's the one thing that we don't want to do because I I believe that we're afraid, uh, you know, like the Planet of Apes, the first, that movie, if you remember, it's, what will he find there? His destiny, right? And so I believe that we're afraid that what we're going to find when we spend time with ourselves is that we don't like ourselves, that we're ashamed of ourselves. But see, here in this space, is a t- is a t- is, this is the time when we're developing this awareness where we get a chance to show ourselves genuine love, the type of love we'd like a lover to bring into our life or a parent to bring into our life, that type of genuine love. And when we get to that place where we can, we can look at everything about ourselves, the flaws in, included, and still honor ourselves and still love ourselves, then when stress comes, we can see it and say, hmm, okay, I realize that my boss just put a stack of um, papers on my desk, and now I'm aware of the fact of the tension going across my shoulders, right? I'm aware of it immediately, not um, as the next person comes with another demand and another demand, immediately I can, I'm, I'm so self-aware, I can feel that tension coming up around my back. And so um, I call that doing a big three scan. We're looking at where is that stress coming from? We know, okay, it's coming from, I feel as though I'm not in control of the situation and I'm getting overwhelmed. The expectation is exceeding what I can give. That's awareness. That awareness right there is loving. That shows our inner self that I'm paying attention to you. I just, I, I just paid attention. I'm not ignoring you like everybody else does. Oh, that's mm-hmm. like a big hug and a kiss from the inside out, right? So that's, that's an opportunity. That stress has just allowed you to love on yourself. When you do that, your ego will start to quiet down. 
Because if you don't, if we don't do that, if we don't do that, here's what we do a lot of times. We ignore it. But the ego doesn't ignore it. The ego does not ignore anything. It is <laughs> vigilant and it is awake. And it, what it's awake to all the time is awake to us being attacked. I equate the ego to like a two-year-old, you know, in a loving way, not, not that you don't want to get rid of the baby or anything like that, but it's like a two-year-old. It knows when it's been offended, when it's been denied something. And it goes to work to let you know and let everybody else know. We are not being treated fairly, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to keep you up at night worrying about it. We're going to have you ruminating in your mind about it. We're going to have you overeat or undereat. We're going to have you, you know, just uh, doubting yourself. It does all these things that trying to solve the problem, but it doesn't know how to. And we could silence the ego but with self-awareness and then allowing ourselves to just be. Honoring how we feel in the moment is so loving. When we do that, we don't really have to look for a solution because the solution is always present. Whenever there's a problem, there's always a solution. We just can't hear it because the ego's so loud. What happens then when we quiet ourselves down? We hear that intuitive voice, still voice from inside of us that gives us some bizarre results sometimes. You know, oh, you know, put your head down on the desk. Sometimes you do need to put your head down on the desk, you know, or, you know, go call a friend or just go gaze at the, at the sun, for, at, the, at the sky for a little while, look at the clouds. These things, when you walk outside and you say to yourself, I just, why am I out here? But then somebody walks by and it triggers a memory and now you know the answer to the problem. That's how the universe works. In the most bizarre and loving spaces, but we have first got to love on ourselves. When we put ourselves in fighter mode and let the mm-hmm. ego start taking charge, we attract, we, we can't hear that intuitiveness. We can't hear it at all. What we hear is the anxiety and we get more things to be anxious about and we get cloudy and we can't make a decision and we've got to work ourselves back from there and be patient with ourselves. Even if we can't make a decision, honor that, that it's not time to make a decision because if it were, I'd have an answer. I don't have an answer because it's not time for an answer. It's a time for honoring myself and being still. And stress gives us the opportunities to do those things for ourselves. So it sounds then like sometimes before we can even get to that place, we sounds like we tend to be our own worst enemy. Like we spend so much time resisting stress, oh, uh, which yes. takes a that we end up creating more stress. Yeah, right, because we don't honor. We, you know, we, we go from, we go to fix-it mode right away. You know, we, wanna, we don't want to honor. We want to resist, resist what is. When we resist what is, we draw more stuff to get resistant to, right? So all this is shame-based, too, because we never want to see ourselves. Who wants to see themselves as spinning out of control with stress? You know, we don't. Who wants to see themselves as the overreactor? <laughs> right? So we automatically resist that part of ourselves instead of just watching and saying, you know, Trayvon, wow, I can understand how you would feel that way. Now, we're not giving ourselves permission to behave poorly. We're not doing that all at all. We're honoring what we feel. And when we do that, the ego will quiet down. But when we get near, we start fighting and say, oh, you're, you're not a good person because you, you feel this way. Of course you're a good person. You have all these emotions. All of us have a rainbow of emotions, all meant to be felt, 
all meant to be felt. However, what we do with those feelings, you know, we don't want to get to a point where we, we have these feelings and we're stuffing them down and they, they, one day surge out and, our, you know, we're so angry, angry, our head pops off, you know, with explosions. Before we know it, we've said things that we don't want to say. And even if that does happen, we forgive ourselves. Sometimes that's the hardest, hardest uh, forgiveness of all to do, to forgive oh, ourselves. Yes. Like, and we could be avoiding it. Yeah, because to forgive ourselves, a lot of us think we have to admit that we are wrong, and that is so hard because we are so connected to right or wrong, black or white, seeing the world as this or that, right? Instead of seeing the world as we're all necessary, everything is necessary. There is no chaos, really. It just looks like it is to the naked, untrained eye, right? And all of our eyes are naked and untrained when we see with these physical eyes, right? So it looks like chaos, and we're so afraid of being wrong and being vulnerable. So we, if we forgive, we think, well, if I have to forgive something, it means I'm wrong. If, I, if I'm wrong, it means I'm bad. I'm no good. Absolutely not. You know, we have to accept that in the best of us, there are some things that we will find distasteful and undesirable. And in the worst of us, there are some things that we will find so engaging and loving. We're all just one. We're all Mm -hmm. one. And we go in and out of these different states of consciousness all of the time. True. Yeah, yeah. We do. If you've just tuned in and listening to us, if you've just come in in the middle of the show, I'm talking to Dr. Drayvon James, and the subject tonight is stress, a surprising prescription for peace. And Dr. James knows a thing or two about prescriptions because she has a doctorate in pharmacy from Creighton University, and she's a motivational speaker, so she knows about stress and she knows about prescriptions. So this is why this is the lady that I listen to. Um, So we were talking about... um, when people resist stress and how that tends to create more stress, there are things we can't change, so we might as well change our perception of them and find coping strategies uh, for them. So the power of, of – sometimes I see things when people talk about the power of self-talk. And you were talking about us being you know, quiet, spending some time shutting out of the noise, um, all the distractions, our self-talk. I love self-talk, and I use it. I do use self-talk a lot, but what I like to use before I get to the point of talking to myself, and I do talk to my ego. I have to talk to her because she's so strong-willed, and she's, she wants to be my protector, and she does not have the skill sets to do that. So part of my self-talk initially is to my ego, and because I treat my ego like a tender little child, a two-year-old, I give sh- commands. Short, simple, direct commands when I talk to my ego. And, you know, you're fine. I can handle this. You need to rest, right? So that I can then get into a place of stillness, right? To get into this place of stillness. Two to three minutes. Two to three minutes is really all I need to sit still and quiet my mind. And I know that it's so challenging when we're in a stressful situation, but I would like to offer a technique that really does work. It's really two to three minutes because when you're in high stress, uh, sometimes it's really difficult to sit still because the mind wants to move to solution so quickly. But 
I encourage you really to take two to three minutes. You can set a timer if you need to on your in your cell phone, and you just want to sit with your eyes closed. If you can close your eyes, that'll be best, and your feet flat on the floor. I generally t- try to take my right hand, the palm of my hand, and put it directly over my belly button, and my, gently there, and my left hand on top of my right hand, and I breathe in, extending my belly up against my right hand. Slowly exhale, pushing in my belly to belly button to its acting as though it wants to hit my spine. As I'm doing that, that breathing process, my mind will still start to wander. But I send my mind on a little expedition, much like a dog chasing a bone. I, I tell my mind with my eyes closed, I would love for you to go find some light in this darkness. Hmm. It works. It works. Your mind will immediately leave you alone. It is, it, it's amazing. It's just like a dog in the park. You throw it a bone, it's off. <laughs> the mind will go chasing for light, and it will allow your cortisol levels to come down. Two to three minutes, you will open your eyes and feel brand new. I encourage you, if you have not done this, as one of our listeners is in the middle of a stress situation, at the end of this program, please, Give yourself a little bit of a treat, a little bit of a treat, and do this two to three minute um, stillness exercise. When you come out of this, what happens is that um, your mind goes searching for light. It leaves you alone because your mind is just wearing you out. It's <laughs> So it leaves you alone so that you can hear this intuitive presence from within. And if you can't hear it, now we're going to start doing some self-talk. After our two to three minutes, and even if you can, after our two or three minutes of letting the mind settle down, now we start talking to ourselves always in the affirmative, always in the now, never in the present, because this is where we're transmitting that stress energy into life, affirming creative energy, right now in the present. So, and I say simple things to myself, Drayvon, you're doing a wonderful job in the space that you are right now. Drayvon, the solution is within you. Relaxation is necessary. I call my name to get my attention, right? And I speak lovingly and kindly. I tell people I do it in a way, if you've ever had to comfort a child in middle school, right? Yes. You know, if you, if you speak too loud when they're angst up and they come home from that hard day, they believe that you are against them just like the bully was against them. So I generally would put my hand on the child's back, stroke their back softly, and speak in slow soft tones, always encouraging, reminding them how wonderful they are, reminding them how loved they are so that I can, again, bring those cortisol levels down. I don't need to talk about a solution because right now a solution may come from my head. I want that solution to pull from that indwelling presence from inside of me. And just calming myself down will allow that to happen. We don't need to believe that the solution is there. It's Mm -hmm. there. It's there. If you think about everything that exists in our physical world, everything came from inside someone. It came from inside someone. People say, you know, I just felt something really funny I want to share with you. My son, when he was about 13 years old, came home from school. He said, Mom, do you know something? He said, way back in the 50s, he said, we had all the tools that we needed to to have Wi-Fi. I said, What? He goes, yeah. He said, it was just a decision. He said, it was just somebody's decision. He said, but all the materials existed. I said, that's not true. He said, yes, it is. We learned that in school. He said, really, it's, he said, it was all inside of a person. 
He said, any person could have done that. And it really got me to thinking about these spiritual principles that we all know are true. And when we listen to the indwelling, this, this internal voice that's inside here, it's been around forever. It's not new. We're ancient inside. We have the wisdom of the ancients. We just need to get still enough to hear it. It sounds to me like your son really spent some time thinking about this, exploring the possibilities, comparing situations, uh, past and present, and uh, sounds like he put a lot of quiet thought to this. I'm I'm sure uh, that's something he learned at home <laughs> to think things through. <laughs> Already there. <laughs> I don't. You, who knows? These, you know, these these children. They choose us, right? It, they said, you know, they choose their parents, and they come into this embodiment, and they choose their parents. And I learn so much from them all of the time. Because when he said that to me, I'm like, wait a second, because I'm still thinking with my physical mind, and I'm saying, I don't know what everything you need to really make Wi-Fi. That's beyond me uh, in the intelligence realm. But are you sure? And he's like, yes. It, I'm like, what? <laughs> And I think he makes sense. It sounds like he's a <laughs> sounds like a very smart smart young lad there, um, and and I think and I'm and I had to mention that because it's all the parents that think that their that their children don't listen to them or don't hear what they say, you know they do. Oh, they do. They, they do. Yeah. They, they really do, and we have to really honor. You know, we can learn so much from the youth. Even you know, people get so how the, the youth do things differently than we did, and they should, and we did things differently than our parents did. But when we get in our space and we just watch and, we're, and we become vessels to receive, we can learn so much from them because that internal indwelling presence that's inside of us is inside of them too. It's ancient, right? I love this part of the Bible, you know, about two creations, and I talk about this a lot in my workshop in, back in Genesis uh, chapter 1, I think it's around verses 27 and 28, it says, let us make man in our image. And then we open our eyes and we say, well, we all look so different. So he's not talking about the physical image. He's talking about this indwelling presence, right, this ancient presence, this ancient wisdom. And then we go over to, I think, chapter 2 of Genesis, and it says, God formed man from the earth. And that kind of makes sense, right? You see, you, you had a mold and you put a this mold together for me and that mold together for somebody else, and we look physically different. But the core of us is the image of, you know, eternal wisdom, eternal knowledge. And that exists in the new baby. It exists in the 90-year-old man, the 90-year-old woman. That internal presence, let us make man in our image. So we really would be wise to listen to the youth and, and put that knowledge together instead of being so quick to say, oh, they don't know anything, and look how crazy the youth is acting. You know, that's the physical body, but inside of there, they've really got some great knowledge in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No kidding. Um, Dr. Drayvon James, you're, you're the founder of Everyday Peace, the author of Freedom is Your Birthright, a motivational speaker. And by the way, um, everyone, your website is, is Dr. It's Dr. drdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrdrd
all of your social media information on all of my social media for people listening that want to know how to find you. Uh, one of the things you do, um, you're, you're a highly requested speaker, and some of the uh, topics, I know you have more than what I see here on the website, but some of the topics you speak about, lean into conflict, improve the quality of your life now, tired of failing, um, those are just, I'm sure, just three of the things you speak about. So people could actually um, hire you to come and speak to their group. You still do this? Yes, I do. I, I do a lot of keynote speaking. So please, if you're looking for a keynote speaker, um, please look, go to my website and um, send me your information. You can also email me at info at drdravonjames.com. But I do, right now, my most requested workshop right now is the Rethinking Stress the untapped resource. So I'm doing that and traveling with that uh, quite a bit. But yes, I do keynote speaking, I do workshops, and I'm also working with uh, a campaign called The Brilliant Life. It's a coaching session and working with people to bring their lives to the next level, or however they define next level, whether it's in their business, with their health, with their relationships. So it's called The Brilliant Life. And if you email me, I can give you information about that as well. So there's quite a lot going on in the world of everyday peace with Dr. Drayvon James. As I endeavor, I have one mission, and one mission, and that's it. And that is to really teach, model, and inspire people to use everything that shows up in their life as a stepping stone, a building block for creating the life of their, dream, their dreams. And that includes the good, the bad, and the in-between. Everything can be used for the creation of your dream life if you're willing to use it. Oh, those are beautiful words. Yeah. You really yeah. You know, it's sometimes it's so easy to say that, and I know it's so easy to lose sight of things because we're we're just so distracted. I always tell people that um, it's a short attention span world. Not that people are stupid, but because everybody's being hit on all sides with something, whether it's uh, from a, a screen or if you're walking somewhere, they're advertising everywhere, or a television set screens everywhere you go. You know, you see people go to a restaurant even, and, and there's television things going on, uh, screens of sports or whatever, so people aren't having conversations. Um, people say, well, it's worse now than ever. But people have always had things. And there have always been rough times. There's been, you know, World War One and Two. Uh, there have always been tragedies and things happening. It's just that because of mass communication, we hear more about what's going on in other parts of the world and with other people now. But basically, I think we're still the same, um, you know, because I have to pull myself back from thinking, where is the world going and realizing nothing is really new under the sun. However, oh, yes. uh, you have your your project rethinking stress the untapped resource i mean that that is basically the thing we're talking you know you're thinking rethinking stress the untapped resource and we don't think of it as an untapped resource like the way no, we don't. you and explained it to us tonight right we get so braced for everything and that you know we're so tense i and this is something I personally saw myself many years ago, like in the 90s, I realized that I was so tense sometimes, I would be talking and my fists would be clenched. Or I'd be driving and I realized I was holding my breath. And, you know, these things, living in this state, always in this state of this 
overstressed and not dealing with the stress properly or being in fighter mode, always feeling like we have to defend our position or resist what's coming towards us. These things are not only unhealthy for us physically, but they create tension in our relationships. They block our financial flow of money. So getting a handle on how we perceive stress and how we handle with this can improve what I call the big three, health, wealth, and relationship. Those categories will be positively affected when we know how to properly handle stress. No, we are never, ever going to be able to get rid of all the stress. We're never going to be able to do that. That would be a complete waste of our time. We want to make wise decisions, but we don't know tomorrow. We don't know what's coming around the corner. We can plan all we want to. You know, I, I believe in an ounce of prevention. <laughs> And what would we learn? It would be kind of like being in a in a drug case. You know, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have your victories and and the and the uh, um, the feeling you get from overcoming something or working through something. You know, you would you wouldn't have that boost and that strength that you feel from that. Um, but you, like you said, health, wealth, and relationships. I mean, these are like the magic three. But rethinking stress, the untapped resources. I just have to keep saying that because that's not normally how we think of it. And if you're listening to the, if you want more information, you can email Dr. James at info, I-N-F-O, at drdravonjames.com. And again, I'll be sharing the social media everywhere. Um, this is just, uh, I am just so grateful that, that, you know, that you are bringing this to us and that you're sharing this with people everywhere and that you, as a busy woman, in fact, I mean, you've got, um, okay, you've got children, right? Yes. Um, As one guest I had, I had a guy on uh, here one time, a musician, and uh, he... He writes music for TV shows and stuff, and so he talked to me before he was ever on the show, and I said, don't worry. I said, um, you know, it'll be fine. Most people enjoy themselves on the show. He says, look, I've got grown kids. Nothing scares me anymore. So, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Nothing scares me. So, I thought, okay, that makes sense. And and just everything you're saying, like you were talking about the, the tension, holding on to tension, Um and people not breathing. Just the other, just last week, in, after a yoga class, it's a hot yoga. One of the other women in yoga said, turned to me and said, "You've got to, you've got to learn to breathe more. You've got to, you're gonna just kill yourself if you don't start breathing more in there." It never occurred to me that I wasn't. You know, you talk about holding more tension. And there's also um, there was a comedian. He's passed away many years ago. But my favorite comedians, um, is named Robin Harris. And oh, yes, I love him. Robin Harris, yeah, he had this one joke he did about, uh, he said, yeah, my wife, when she sleeps, she has her hand balled up in a fist, and I ask her why, and she says, well, I might have to hit, you know, somebody, well, she didn't say the word somebody, but she right. might have to hit somebody, so she sleeps with her hand, <laughs> that's a little funny, not funny, I wonder if I've ever been that tense when I slept, so, uh, yeah, we, yeah, we don't have to carry that much of it around. Right, and we've got because that—that's energy. That is energy. Why are we? And I had to ask myself, why am I using my energy holding my breath? And I realized that a lot of times we are scared. We are so scared, and a lot of our anger, which looks like anger, is really just fear. Our hot-headed responses, just fear, because we want to bark loud so you'll back up. 
So, we, you know, it's also the Wizard of Oz. You know, you get in there and you think, oh, my gosh, are you just two feet tall? You know? <laughs> right? And so we, we want to be – we're afraid. And that is so much like this little bitty ego that's inside of us that has this big bark, you know? And when you get – pull all the layers back, it's this little tiny baby in here. It's a little two-year-old. Right? causing all this ruckus inside of us because they're scared and they want us to come out swinging so we don't get knocked out first, right? So we don't get knocked out first. Don't be vulnerable because they're all here against us. And, and I think it was, it was Einstein that said you have to, you've got to decide, do you live in a hostile world or do you live in a friendly world? And we are free to make that decision. Freedom is our birthright. We have to decide, am I living in? a hostile world, or a friendly world. And two people can live side by side in the exact same environment and make two different decisions, and they will have two different experiences, even though they're living in the same environment and they're experiencing on a physical level the same thing. It is the personal decision. Am I living in a hostile world or am I living in a friendly world? Excellent point. Dr. Drayvon James, author of I'm sorry. I am. My mind is just spinning with everything you've just taught me, but in a good way. Author of Freedom is Your Birthright, founder of Everyday Peace, uh, creator of the new project Rethinking Stress, the Untapped Resource, and also you're working on the campaign, the program, uh, The Brilliant Life, and about life coaching. I am so happy to have had you back here, Madam Perry Salon. I'm so grateful. And I, again, I will be sharing your social media on all of mine so people can find you and reach you. And I just want to say thank you so much. And I just wish you success and blessings with everything you do. Oh, thank you. It is so wonderful to be back here. And I wish the same for you. Thank you for providing this wonderful, wonderful vehicle. Oh, I think it's an absolute pleasure, and so I, I know, I hope you're going to be back again soon because you know I'm going to ask you, and so, but I'm going to just go ahead and close out with um, with a song with one of my favorite stress-reducing um, mantras. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.